is episode 84 of the GVG cast. I'm your host, Steve Bowling. I'm solo, flying by myself tonight, so we have patron chat in the lower left-hand corner of your screen. If you don't know, patrons can chat with us live during this and any other podcast recording. Find out more over at patreon.com slash gvgaming. Uh, tonight's going to be a more conversational episode. We're going to be talking about what's going on in the world of gaming. Obviously, last night was a big night for gaming. We had the Game Awards, uh, and there's a lot to discuss around the Game Awards. There's certainly discourse happening around that show. Uh, we also have a, a huge raft of surprise announcements that came from Sega at the Game Awards. And if you know me, you know that I'm a Sega kid at heart. I grew up with a Master System and a Genesis, only getting into Nintendo later, so I really want to break those down. We're going to talk all about them. But before we do that, this episode, like so many others before it, is sponsored by The Game Orb. The Game Orb is a YouTube and Twitch channel that brings commentary and gameplay footage from the Nintendo Switch and Xbox Series X gaming systems. After the end of this month, there will be no more readouts, but he will still be around in the GVG community from there on out. The Game Orb appreciates all the support he has received up to this point, and if you want to continue to support him on YouTube and or Twitch if you have not done so, we've got links to both his Twitch and YouTube channels in the description. Or if you're live with us on YouTube, those are in the chat right now. So please go show the Game Orb some love. Uh, they've certainly shown it to us and this community over the last three years, believe it or not, uh, that they've been supporting us. So please, you know, do the same for them. Show them some support. Uh, thank you so much to the Game Orb for your continued sponsorship. It means the world to us here at GVG. Uh, we literally could not do what we're doing without you. Uh, and we could not do what I'm about to do next, which is our birthday shoutouts. We have a ton of birthdays. Uh, Stripes Cat on 11:30, Sempercio. I probably said that wrong. On December 4th, Geeky Griffin, one of our longtime executive producers, on December 6th, Azran127 on Thursday, yesterday during the Game Awards, uh, Somnia today, uh, the 8th. Happy birthday! Uh, our own Daniel, his birthday is tomorrow on December 9th. Uh, Sakara D on on the 10th and finally Goron Amber another longtime executive producer on the 11th happy birthday to all of you uh, with that being said uh, normally this would be the part of the show where I'd throw to my co-hosts of which there are none and I would ask them what they've been up to so instead I'll fill you in on what's going on with me and I hope that's not too boring I've been uh just playing a lot of random stuff. We're in the run-up to game of the year, and I'm trying to make sure that I have as complete a picture of 2023 as possible. Now, if you don't know, I did start the year running a game of the month series of videos that honestly did not perform. They didn't do very well, uh, so the series kind of got put on hold because, well, I ended up moving and buying a house, and a lot of other things happened, and it was just easier to to shelve a series that wasn't doing well than to continue to produce videos that nobody was watching um but that being said i've been catching up on my on my games i've played uh the new star wars game what is it jedi survivor i believe uh i've played robocop which is fantastic disgaea 7 also fantastic game um, so I'm going to be putting together a list of games in 2023 that nobody played or that most of us missed, especially if you're kind of a Nintendo fan like me. Um, so there's, there's a lot of cool stuff coming on the horizon for that. Of course, we have game of the year nominations coming up here on GVG. We're going to be all breaking down our favorite games. I'm going to do a video that is 12 games. Uh, I'll be breaking down my month by month, every game that I think was the best of that month. 
and then putting forth my nomination for the best game of the year. And currently, for me, uh, no, obviously, no surprise to those of you that watch GVG regularly, but it is a dead heat between Spider-Man 2 and Tears of the Kingdom. And I fully intend to play through both of them again before I submit my final judgment for game of the year. Uh, let me check in with our live audience real quick here. Uh, so if you don't know, again, patreon.com slash gvgaming at our live audience tier, that gets you into the uh, the our Discord, which has its own live audience chat room, which is what you see scrolling on the screen if you're watching here on YouTube. If you're listening, just imagine a bunch of people hanging out with us while I talk. Uh, <laughs> Tears of the Who. Uh, Top Dog, been playing through Xenoblade Chronicles 2 lately. Uh, let's see. Geeky Griffin, Jedi needs to get Sur Jedi Survivor and play it. Uh, the first was cool. So, yep, and... Uh, Mary Mercury currently grinding in Final Fantasy 16 before they do the DLC. Those are all really good, uh, really good choices. Uh, so I'm going to do super chats a little differently than you might be used to me doing them if you're a longtime listener or viewer of the GVG cast. I know that we kind of just cut to them at random intervals. Uh, instead, I will be picking stuff out that is germane to the conversation as it comes up. And then at the end, I will catch up on any super chats that I didn't read during the show. So we're going to do basically kind of a how you been doing a good conversation here talking about the game awards and some of the thoughts I have surrounding that. Then we're going to talk about Sega's announcements. And then finally, we're going to do what I'm going to call this time because there's only one a mailbag. So I will grab a few of your topics that you've submitted producers and above over again at our Patreon and we'll discuss those topics because obviously normally there's a group of three of us. So we'll be doing a few topics today. Uh, but let's jump right in with talk about the Game Awards. So last night, obviously, uh, most of us here tuned in. If you were with us, one of the thousand people that was watching the Game Awards with us, then you know that we uh, had some thoughts surrounding the show. It's a really interesting predicament that I find us in in terms of the game awards and the reason I say that is because it is kind of slowly becoming e3 it is not as much about the awards as it is about the reveals the spectacle uh and and the celebrity celebrity guests uh Jeff Keighley likes to trot people out that he admires and I understand being in a position of power and having the ability to kind of show, you know, like, hey, I can get freaking Matthew McConaughey to come to my awards show. And I understand that if you look at it from the angle of a traditional awards show host, that is a great get. That is an amazing thing to have happen, to have somebody of such notoriety on your stage to lend credibility to your production. Uh, but what I think it ultimately does as somebody who was watching and, and not super thrilled on record about Matthew McConaughey showing up to a gaming awards show. Uh, I think that it gives the impression that gaming needs to be legitimized, that gaming requires legitimacy from traditional fame. And that is a weird thing to think about because in the context of fame, uh, you know, there's only one thing that people, you know, past a certain income level care about. And that's money. That is, you know, how much cash does this thing generate? 
should I be involved with this thing that makes that kind of money? And gaming has been tearing Hollywood to pieces for years. Gaming makes way more money than Hollywood. Uh, and granted, part of that is because, uh, you know, the elephant in the room, workers aren't given their due. Uh, we kind of experienced a historic year in gaming for both good and very bad reasons. Uh, we had a year in which some of the best games ever were released in in sequence, right? So we had Tears of the Kingdom. We had Spider-Man 2. Uh, you know, for, for those of you that like it, we had Baldur's Gate 3, uh, Alan Wake 2. These are all landmark games in their respective genres, and they all came out in the same year. And while these were coming out, people were getting laid off in record numbers. Gaming was just being ripped apart. The people who make the games were just being treated like disposable commodities. And it's upsetting to me as somebody who respects the hell out of people who make these games, whether I like the game or not, uh, it is gutting to see that there's no mention of that made, aside from Chris Judge wearing a button during his speech. Uh, you know, people are protesting outside the Game Awards. You see people in the audience who had just been laid off from their jobs to see if a game they worked on won an award. That's heartbreaking. And it is uh, not my favorite thing to see happen to very talented people. Um, it is it is just wild to me. Um, you know, on the other side of that, we did have crazy reveals. Stuff that, as a gamer, I was very excited for. And it's hard to temper that excitement with the uh, with the realities of what's going on in the industry around them. Uh, but I do want to talk about those as well. I don't want to make this just a somber event. Obviously, you know, that is one thing that we can definitely discuss. But, I mean, <laughs> the Game Awards had its best year. It was its most exciting that it's ever been. And that makes me feel bad and good in a way, right? As as a gamer, I love that we got what we got. Like, we ate really well in terms of announcements and reveals and trailers and stuff like that. And sure, we had to wade through ads and awkward celebrity interventions and speeches that were way too short. Uh, you know, developers not getting the recognition that they deserve. Aonuma came up to accept best action adventure game for Tears of the Kingdom, and he had 30 whole seconds to, to thank people, and that's with a translator, so he really had 15. Uh, it's just depressing. It's a little depressing to think about that stuff. Um, but I do want to talk about what we saw, because Sega pulled something crazy out during the Game Awards. If you don't know, in the run-up to the Game Awards, they started sending all these little cards out, uh, little mailers to different notable people in the in the YouTube community. We didn't get one. Not very cool, Sega. Uh, but we didn't get one, but a lot of people did. Uh, and people started speculating, like, what Sega could be showing. What is it? You know, they sent it out to big fighting game people. They sent it out to various RPG YouTubers. It was just a mix of content creators that with no seeming connective tissue between them. And so a lot of people were speculating wildly about what it could be. And Sega just kind of blew the roof off of the show. They stole the whole thing in one shot by announcing 
five games. We got Jet Set Radio, Crazy Taxi, Shinobi, Golden Axe. Uh, let's see, Jet Set Radio, Crazy Taxi, Shinobi, Golden Axe. And I'm, I'm spacing on the other one, which is just such a weird thing to think about. Sega, who has long been the company of Sonic, Yakuza, and Persona. We got so many of their legacy IP being renewed, like in development with footage, not just... Not just a sizzle reel of like, hey, these are names. These are these are things we're going to do. They showed us footage, gameplay of all of these, which in, in a show full of CG trailers with very little gameplay, we got Sega just kind of bringing their A game. This is something that even at an event like E3, back when it was at its pinnacle, showing all of these in one trailer would have driven anybody crazy. Uh, you know, there, there would be room and they do say that there's more that there's that there's more but we're talking about uh these five that they announced and, and i'm still spacing on the fifth one i'm trying real hard but it was wild to me that we got what we did and i apologize i'm pulling up live audience chat as well but everybody's saying streets of rage did i skip streets of rage i i can't believe i did if i did but yes streets of rage um it was the most impressive impressive showing Sega has had in years. And to that end, uh, Zane Starman with Australian $5 Super Chat says, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but Nintendo and Rare need to take notes from Sega. And that is a weird thing. That's not something we would have said before today, before last night. I mean, we kind of all just kind of accepted that Sega had a few successful franchises that they were willing to funnel money into. And that that was going to be all we get from them. You know, they've got Atlas and their whole stable, and then they've got other stuff crazy taxi is the one i keep missing crazy taxi it's the one that i don't play uh but yeah we got streets of rage crazy taxi uh shinobi i'm, I'm never gonna remember all five at the same time streets of rage crazy taxi shinobi golden axe and one more i'm, I'm gonna keep forgetting but anyway uh that's be besides the point we it's impressive to see what we've been able to get from sega here and it is wild to me that they're they're just finally reaching into their back catalog. It's such an impressive catalog of stuff. And it is it is just kind of weird, but yeah, uh so it, this is an interesting take here. I'm seeing that uh kind of funny mentioned or Andy from kind of funny mentioned that the game awards was great when it came to everything that was announced, but everything else about the show was bad. And I don't know that I'd go that far. I don't think it was a bad show. It's it's interesting to see the different takes from people that I'm seeing online. Some people think the Game Awards was awful. Some people think it was the best show ever. Some people think it there's nothing wrong with any of what happened. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, the image circulating online of people showing, you know, the, the big wrap it up uh teleprompter just telling people like hey you're done talking get out of here and you know that happening at some moments where it would make a lot of sense to just maybe let them have their time uh it's also a radical departure we're talking about you know uh chris judge had eight minutes on stage uh last year and granted he might be the reason that they clamped down on speeches so so you know, effectively. But if you need to trim fat from the show, 
there are lots of ads and maybe Kojima doesn't need 10 minutes. I mean, him coming up with Jordan Peele was cool. Jordan Peele is cool. I respect him as a director, but we learned nothing of substance during Kojima's segment. We learned that he can make a really cool facial scan. We didn't see a game. We didn't see gameplay. We saw Kojima talking about his artistry about, about himself. And we saw him then talking about Jordan Peele. And then we saw Jordan Peele talking about how great Kojima is. And then we saw Kojima telling Jordan Peele he's great again. It was, and then Jeff just telling them they're both great. It, it didn't serve any purpose other than to just remind us that Jeff knows Kojima and that Kojima knows Jeff and that they will announce things on this stage. Um, I also, you know, we saw so many games that were not really games that were things that don't really push the industry forward. For instance, you know, I talked about the Matthew McConaughey game earlier. That's made by a studio that was formed to make the Matthew McConaughey game. So there may be some excellent talent behind it. There may even be, it may even be a good game when it comes out. Who knows? But it's owned by Wizards of the Coast, which means they have more money than God backing the game. And that's really the only thing they have, a celebrity and a lot of money. And, you know, that was given more time than the acceptance speech for Baldur's Gate 3's Game of the Year award. And I think that that's where I see the big problem in priority with game of the year or with the game awards we see people kind of congregating in this space and it's great to see the industry in one spot but the vast majority of folks didn't vote on it and i'm not saying that anybody is undeserving of the awards however i don't think we need ads every 20 seconds i don't think we need to be reminded that this segment of the Game Awards is sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends or Samsung or LG or whoever they've got backing it from a corporate perspective. I think that it is a glorified clip show. You know, they they, they throw in the awards to get notable people to come uh, because, frankly, if they said, hey, we're going to invite you out to watch trailers for two hours, I don't think anybody would go. They'd just watch it from home. I think that you know, when you get to throw in the bone of, hey, we're going to honor the creators of some of the best games made this year. And we're also going to show you two and a half hours of trailers and ads. Uh, then they kind of just go for, you know, they, they go to pay respect to the people who made the games we love. And they sit through the trailers and ads because otherwise that is an event that can totally be watched from the comfort of your sofa. Uh and I'm just, I, I feel like the awards show needs to change. It needs to be something more than what it is. It needs to be about the people who make the games. And it shouldn't shy away from talking about endemic issues with the industry. Uh, Greg Miller, when he won Trending Gamer, the only good person that won Trending Gamer, uh, when he won... He talked about the thousands of people who make games and how the industry turns over too many people. And that was like six years ago. And nothing's changed. It's all the same. It's just bigger now, right? When's the last time you went a month, a month without hearing about layoffs at a video game studio? 
without seeing a post of somebody, you know, retweeting, Hey, please hire this person. They're excellent. They're talented. It was a pleasure to work with them. They shouldn't have lost their job. It happens. I would, I would argue almost weekly in this industry at this point, you know, on the eve of the game awards, I'm pretty sure somebody <laughs> lost their job in gaming. I'm pretty sure that there were layoffs at some studio somewhere right before the game awards. So I don't know. There's, there's not a, there's not an easy answer to this, but I will say this was likely my favorite episode year of the game awards <laughs> episode. Like it's a show, right? Uh, my favorite year of the game awards in history, <laughs> Cody B and our YouTube live audience embracer group has entered the chat. Please no, I don't need them to lay me off. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, uh, Lots of folks. I, I want to check this out real quick. I'm going to check in with our patron chat here. It was very much like the early Death Stranding reveals, except less. Right, Geeky Griffin, uh, talking about Kojima's reveals. Uh, there was no substance to Kojima's OD reveal. I was even skeptical that OD was a real game, and it wasn't just marketing for Death Stranding 2. And I'm still not completely convinced because Kojima likes to think in five dimensions or something. Um world premiere showcase featuring the game awards from Toon J. Yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, I will say the musical numbers, uh, this comes from Meverse mod. I loved seeing, uh, Heyloon. Is that how you say it? Perform. Yeah, there was, there was some beautiful musical numbers. The final fantasy seven rebirth stuff that we saw at the game awards just ooh, blew my mind. It was gorgeous. Uh, the premiere of the song was a really cool thing that you only could have done in that medium at the game. Awards with a live orchestra. I think that that's a good thing to do. Uh, you're showcasing the artistry of people within the industry. You're you're breaking up the barrage of ads and trailers with something that is unique that you couldn't get and that would be better in person if you were able to attend. So I think that there was a lot of interesting stuff going there. I think that Final Fantasy VII Rebirth was probably one of the better presentations of the whole evening. Uh, it was a great way to showcase what Square Enix has been working on. We got gameplay footage interspersed. You know, those of us that were on the far side, we got to see gameplay footage just kind of cut to during it. Of course, then Square Enix launched a, a, an extended trailer that showed off the game in even more detail. And I have to say, I can't believe we're two months away from Rebirth. I have to play that. It is incredible that we have that on the horizon. I think that Final Fantasy VII Rebirth looks amazing. I can't imagine that that game's going to be bad. I just can't. My brain won't let me envision a future in which I don't like that game. So, I mean, obviously anything can happen. It could be that it runs poorly. It, it could be that it's awful, that it's terrible, but almost incomprehensible, right? Uh, if you're a fan like me and you liked Final Fantasy VII Remake, then Rebirth, I feel like, is just really going to blow the doors off this whole thing. Like it, it's going to answer so many questions, right? Why is Zach alive? Uh, what's going on there? Are, is the Sephiroth that you fight within the context of Final Fantasy VII Remake, even the Sephiroth that we know from the original, is he like a multiversal, interdimensional traveling Sephiroth that is trying to mess with the timeline? I don't know, but I'm interested to find out. Uh, but yeah, I think that this is a really like Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is probably my most anticipated game of 2024 right now. And, and thinking of that, speaking of that, 
Wasn't it a little bit weird that most games were 2025, that it felt like a lot of games are missing 2024 entirely? And Dad Alpha Lion uh, writes in our live audience chat, Cat Bailey is currently triggered. Yeah, Cat and I have gone rounds on this topic. Cat and I are, are definitely of differing opinions on Final Fantasy VII uh, versus Remake, the, the Remake storyline. And so... I think that uh, that she and I will have to get together again once we've both played Rebirth, and I want to see what she thinks of it. Now, I understand the purest argument. I totally do. Um, but I, I like the fact that it's telling a new story because it makes each piece of media stand on its own. That's my opinion. But Kat is admittedly far more educated and a better arguer than me, so uh, she will likely defeat me if we ever debate. But uh, we did on her Acts of the Blood God podcast when remake came out so if go back and listen to that one you'll hear me very feebly try to argue against her she's way too smart um but yeah it, it feels like uh it feels like we're, we're at a point with the game awards where it needs to decide what it wants to be whether it wants to be a showcase of reveals and trailers which is great for us the consumer but I don't love it when it comes at the cost of recognizing the people who make the games. And I feel like that's what the Game Awards is facing right now, an identity crisis of sorts. It needs to determine, the, the team needs to decide, are we about recognizing the creators? Because when you go to other awards shows, right, like the Oscars, they don't just show trailers for new movies. Like, they, they don't broadcast trailers for new movies everywhere. They just kind of honor people and and occasionally those people like slap other famous people but i mean the point stands it's about people it's about filmmakers it's about actors um it is not about hyping the medium of movies outside of just recognizing how skillful and talented the people who make them are and i think that that's that's a very big gap for me in in what if you want to talk about legitimizing the game awards you have to talk about actually making it about game developers you know and when i say game developer i want to be clear because who was it bungie or activision recently they called game testers not non-developers when i say game developers i don't just mean people writing code i mean the artists i mean people who rig models i mean composers who make music i mean if you do anything in the sense of contributing towards the games that we play in any way, shape or form, then to me, you're helping to create that game. And that's what the game awards should be doing. If you want to do all the hype and trailers and ads, maybe make that the pre-show instead of just giving Sidney Goodman some throwaway awards to hand out. And, and while we're talking about that, maybe let her have more of an active role in hosting the proper show. She's great. I think Sydney Goodman did a wonderful job, and I think that she would be an excellent foil to Jeff's vibe. <laughs> Just let her do her own thing. It really feels icky to me when we're talking about the Game Awards and we see developers, you know, getting the wrap it up song when they're maybe 10 words into their speech and they're like, hold on, guys, we need you to finish so we can get fucking Gonzo up here. We've got a literal Muppet who is going to get more airtime than, I don't know, like five developers put together. Um, 
Yeah, I, I just think that it is a weird situation we find ourselves in, in which developers are kind of actively being pushed against. And uh, I, I start on that topic because Cutie Caitlin in our patron chat says, a cynical part of me thinks big corporate doesn't want to humanize game devs. And we got we to gotta say something about that because you're not wrong. You're not wrong about the fact that corporations, they, they want this to be a Nintendo game or a Sony game or a Sega game, especially a Sega game, which is really hard for me because I'm so excited about all the stuff Sega announced, but Sega is actively union busting. They're actively trying to stop their, their, the people who make their products from organizing and fighting for equitable space in their, in, in the business. It, it sucks. So I don't know. I, 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 I mean, you know, the phrase, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism keeps jumping into my brain. And that's because I want to enjoy games and all the things that I love about them, but I also don't want to feel bad about it, but you know, <laughs> so yeah, I, I feel like the big issue here, we've got kind of a, a two, we, we've got kind of a two pronged issue here, right? There, there's absolutely room for hype and for reveals and for trailers. Uh, but we also need that space to remember that the people who make our games are exactly that. They're people. They deserve our, our respect. They deserve kindness. They certainly don't deserve getting shoved off the stage 30 seconds after they accept a prestigious award for their stellar work on over the last year. You know, this is something, and, you know, I'm saying over the last year, but we all know that games take way longer than that. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom started production likely in 2017, right after Breath of the Wild was finished. And so that's almost six years, if not more of work that that went into making that game to win an award to get 30 seconds 30 seconds to thank people and i mean awanuma got to go up we didn't even get to see fujibayashi go up and i imagine that's at least in part because they had so little time um you know it's it's this uh it is this painful realization that people make these games and you know, this industry has grown to something much larger than the film industry, but none of the people that make those games live anything like the actors who show up and, and read lines in a film. When's the last time, you know, I'm sure that the biggest names in the industry, uh, Eiji Aonuma, Shigeru Miyamoto, you know, Hideo Kojima, like they are likely very wealthy people. Uh, but, you know, they're not the one person who makes a game that's not the way games work it it never was but it especially isn't now you know you see people talking about their teams of 200 that are making games those 200 people aren't all living high on the hog even though they're making something that generates billions in revenue uh you know they're they're probably living no better than you or i and I feel like the industry, the games industry has grown in a direction that doesn't respect the people who make the games. And, and that is endemic throughout the entire thing, top to bottom, whether it's 
people who don't get paid fairly or have to, you know, crunch to make their games or who sleep in the office because they don't have the time to go home between finishing one workday and returning to start the other. Uh, not to mention us as the audience. We, we have some blame in this, you know, whether it's people who send death threats to developers because they, they dared to kill off a character in their favorite game or, you know, they, they made a game with a female protagonist. There's a lot of stuff going on in games, but, uh, and I think the game awards is the platform where you can address a lot of these things where you can give these developers a voice to just say, you know, we make this because we love it. Or, you know, we, we want to talk about something that's important to us. Like you've seen actors in Hollywood who win awards and, and talk about political geopolitical issues all the time. Their careers were fine. Their movies were fine. Nobody, nobody boycotted them. Nobody stopped working with them. You know, it just kind of blew over. You you got, but they, they were able to say their piece. And I feel like there's like the people who make our games deserve that same chance. They deserve to be able to just say what's on their mind when they win an award and not just be like, I want to thank my mom, my dad and my dog bye <laughs> just telling telling me i need to leave now um so it it's just a yeah it, it's an unfortunate truth in this industry that we we don't often humanize the people who make the the medium that we all so enjoy um i would love to see the game awards become two things and uh, I think Alyssa over at Kotaku said said it best that the Game Awards should just become Winter E3. And I think that that is a great idea. <laughs> I think that the Game Awards should be an awards show first and a showcase for what is happening in the future of gaming second. I think that those should be two separate and distinct events. Let's just let these people have their moment. Let's let the people who make the games we love have their moment. Let them just watch, you know, let, let them sit and bask in their accomplishments for a night, for, for a night without us talking about, you know, Hideo Kojima making face scans or Sean Murray's next game that will release in the next decade. Uh, let, you know, I, I love that we got Monster Hunter Wild. I love that we got five new Sega games. I am a Sega fan. Great stuff. I'm really happy about that. But let's let's let these people have their moment and and save the announcements for another day. Let's just could we do that? <laughs> anyway, I've droned on about this a while. I'm very passionate about the people that make our games. I'm very passionate about the mental health and well-being of people in this industry. Uh, I this wouldn't be GVG without us having to talk about this. But uh, I'm going to move on to our mailbag. <laughs> And before I do that, I'm going to read out some of our super chats. Uh, we've got from Kaiser the, I apologize, Kaiser, your name is being cut off by my by my window here. Uh, so I'm just going to say Kaiser the Fighter, uh, because your super chat for two dollars reads, "Twintel from Arms versus Manon from Street Fighter," and I'm going to have to give that one to Twintel. She is, she's got the range by a long shot. Manon needs to be up close. Twintel could keep her away. Twintel can dilate time. <laughs> those are those are pretty easy ones. Uh, Disney Duncan with five dollars. 
Is combat pack one selling well enough to get a combat two for MK1? Yep. Ed Boon's already joking about uh, combat pack two. So I don't see how we would end up with... I don't see how we wouldn't end up with a combat pack two. So I, I think that we're going to be fine there. Um, and then we read this out. I just want to say again to Zane Starman for their uh, super chat. Thanks again for being, for that being your first super chat and for doing it on a show that I'm hosting alone. And then we got H toe start who I believe is Ricky who did our, who did our um, bath bath time boys sticker art, uh, which we did a while back on Patreon. Uh, that was fantastic with just a 19 Mexican dollar uh, donation. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. And then we've got one more from Fangs the Wolf for $5. Is it safe to assume the Smash team is back together for the next game with the news of new spirits coming to Ultimate? That is a really, really great question. And the, I'm not sure. Uh, the reason I say that is because... I mean, spirits are an easy thing. Spirits are a very easy thing for them to do. It doesn't require the full team to to band back together. It could just be one person putting an update in uh, because obviously they have the mechanism by which they can add new spirits whenever they feel like. I think what it's more indicative of is that I would say it's more likely that they're probably working on a port of Smash Ultimate to Nintendo's next platform than it is that they are building the the full-on next new Smash game. And I think Sakurai, on his own YouTube channel, has been pretty open about the fact that he doesn't know where the series can go from here. And I think as fans, we also kind of have that same perception. Like, what do you do after a game that is literally called Ultimate? Uh, but thank you for the super chat. Uh, $5 from Leo Flo. Happy Friday. Who is your dream pick for a guest character or returning character in MK1? Now, that is a really interesting question because we've had so many of them. Uh, guest characters in this season are particularly strong. Combat Pack 1, if you don't know, has Peacemaker, uh, Homelander, and Omni-Man, who I think are three of probably the most wanted at this point in time just because of their respective series being very popular. Um, if I had to ask for a guest character in, in Mortal Kombat that hasn't been in already, because you got to remember, we've had like Kratos, we've had uh, Leatherface, we've had the Alien believe we we've had freddy i think we've had jason um i'm gonna go with jason x though and the reason i say that is because i can think of two really hilarious fatalities for jason x if you've never seen the movie it's it's awful but it's funny uh there's one in which he puts their head in uh liquid nitrogen and then shatters their face real real funny stuff and then there's another one where he takes one camper in a sleeping bag and beats them to death with another camper in a sleeping bag and then just to make sure that camper is fully dead, he slams them into a tree while in the sleeping bag. It's just, you have to see the scene to understand how viscerally funny it is. Uh, but yeah, Jason X would be a good one. Uh, Blaker36, better known as Waffle King with $4.99. Waffle King here, love a good Steve video. Well, thank you. It's nice to do like a single show. Uh, Bayonetta would be cool. Deadpool would be really funny uh, for MK1. Both suggestions from our patron chat. And then finally, uh, Disney Duncan with two more dollars. Favorite Fatal Blows in MK1, Fighter and Cameo. Uh, Omni-Man, easy favorite Fatal Blow. Uh, and I actually quite like uh, Tremor 
even though they came out at the same time. They're they're my combo that I use now. He just smashes your face with a boulder. It's it's pretty good. Uh, all right. With that out of the way, let's go ahead and move on to our mailbag. Now, if you don't know, you can suggest if you're a producer or above patreon.com slash GV gaming, you can submit topics for any of our podcast properties each and every week. Uh, we do have two podcasts currently this one, which is out there for the public. And we have the weekend Nintendo, which is every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. And we also put out calls for topics for that, which will be going live here after the end of this show. Uh, I am going to start with a topic from Dat Alpha Lion, who writes, other than Mistwalker's game Fantasian and the recently released Sonic Dream Team, what mobile game would you like to see come to PC and consoles that hasn't already made the jump? Now, I could be wrong, uh, but I believe that Choo Choo Rocket Universe has not made the jump from Apple Arcade to console. And it plays just like Choo Choo Rocket, but with dramatically improved graphics and Choo Choo Rocket is like a simple game, but it's one that I've always loved. I've always really enjoyed uh, playing Choo Choo Rocket. It's just a simplistic little puzzle game. I remember the Dreamcast version being one of my favorite online games. Uh, so that would be my pick for that. It's a... Uh... Yeah, it, it's a little tough because I haven't spent a lot of time on Apple Arcade, and I don't do mobile games, really. I know that Mega Man X Dive is also one that we've talked about, but I've not played it yet. And from what I understand from Ash, who I believe has played it, the controls are pretty bad. Um, I do know that Dad Alpha Lion in our patron chat had mentioned Rayman Mini, which I've not played before. Um, I'll have to check that one out. I've been recently playing Sonic Dream Team, which again is obviously, you know, I know he calls that one out there, but that is probably my number one pick for a game that I'd like to escape the confines of the mobile space for now. Uh, but thank you for the question, Dad Alpha Lion. Uh, we're going to go with MX Beckas, who writes, can you please explain the hype for Shinobi? It's a series that passed me by. And I'm going to fully admit to you, Becca, that Shinobi is a series that likely exists <laughs> that I'm so hyped for because of the fact that I grew up alongside it. Uh, so it started out life in arcades on, uh, I want to say the system 16 board or something like that. It was, uh, but the first version I ever played was the master system version of Shinobi, which had stellar graphics for the time. They, they were a far cry from looking as good as the arcade, but really big, really sizable sprites. Uh, it was a side-scrolling ninja action game. You know, one hit and you were dead, but one hit and most enemies were dead as well. And you had to rescue the your fellow ninjas that had all been kidnapped. So you'd go through a stage, you'd rescue kidnapped ninjas, and then you would fight a boss at the end. And there was a bounty on each boss, you know, whether it was a giant, like, pharaoh guy that could shoot fire out of his palms or, you know big robot monsters stuff like that shinobi got bigger and better as sega's hardware you know became became uh more capable so you had shinobi one on the uh, on the master system on the genesis you had revenge of shinobi or return of shinobi based on which or i'm sorry revenge of shinobi or the super shinobi based on which uh uh region you lived in and Revenge of Shinobi took everything from the original and just made it way better, way better visuals. Uh, fun little Easter egg about that game. It had both Batman and Spider-Man in it in the 1.0 release, uh, which later got removed when both Marvel and DC teamed up to sue Sega. Uh, so they just got rid of it. Before they didn't want that smoke. But uh, then you had Shinobi 3. Just It was a series that 
was getting better and better with each iteration. And then when the Saturn came along, they did one game and then just the series went dormant. Then you got a, a really bad GBA game and a pretty bad PS2 game. And then they retired the series and it's just been sitting there ever since. So I'm really excited to see it come back and in a form factor that looks more like it's original, you know, side scrolling, uh, genre. So I'm really happy to see that Sega has revived Shinobi. It is. Oh, that's true. There is, there is a Shinobi on 3ds. Thank you for keeping me honest chat. I've never played the one on 3ds. I think I own it though, but I'm pretty sure it was also bad. <laughs> um, I will have to go back and dig through my 3ds games and see if I have it, but, um, all right. I'm, I'm hearing it's kind of good from cutie Caitlin there in our, in our patron chat, but yeah, Shinobi is a really great, really awesome action series, 2d, 2d, uh, side-scrolling action series. And, uh, speaking of Caitlin, uh, she writes, this will sound negative at first, but hear me out. Have you ever gotten a disparaging or hateful comment that hyped you up? Sort of a, I'm better than this person, so I'm going to show them vibe. doesn't have to be YouTube or social media specifically. I ask because I just got my first hate email from a customer today. They were upset that despite me providing a good experience and taking care of their issue, which they acknowledge in the email, I was trans and they should have been warned. I laughed. F that guy, LOL. I'm way better than that miserable dude who wasted his time writing an email. Well, yeah, you are. Uh, I don't know what you're binary status has to do with um with your ability to do your job especially when they when they say that they you know had a good experience with you otherwise so it's like oh hey you're really great at your job but you're bad because of who you are now fuck that um i mean i i i haven't i've been fortunate enough that i have had bad experiences here on youtube and out in the real world of course but they've not been they, they've not been too terrible. Um, I did, <laughs> I did, I did, I, I, I had a little experience last night, um, while playing Mortal Kombat and, and I'll just share this one because it's, it's really the, the most negative thing that's happened to me recently. Um, but I was, I was just running some casuals online in Mortal Kombat one last night. I was playing as Omni-Man still trying to get to grips with the character. And I am admittedly not a very good Mortal Kombat player. Uh, so somebody, you know, they, they were beating me fairly easily at that too. Um, and they started teabagging rather than finishing the match, you know, like with a fatality, they got me to the finish him stage and just started teabagging. I, I don't like that kind of stuff. So I did what no one should do. And I fed the troll and just, uh, came on Mike and told him that, that, uh, you know, they were, they were being a, being a wonderful sportsman, uh, obviously, dripping with sarcasm in that statement and uh the the voice of a child came through the other end and called me a little bitch and i could not help but laugh it, it was the funniest thing ever to me and uh i i called them out and asked them if they were like 12 and uh totally that got in their head and i was able to crush them completely in the subsequent matches but i i think i bullied a little kid by mistake so if you're out there, I don't remember your name anymore, but if you're out there, I, I hope I didn't get you in trouble with your parents. It was like 1 a.m. You should have been in bed. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I just want to say, Caitlin, um, you're wonderful the way you are. You're perfect the way you are. And anybody who 
tries to invalidate your existence for simply existing, uh, yeah, they can eat shit. <laughs> All right. One more mailbag item. Uh, we're going to read this one out. This is from uh, Clark, who says, what was the best game you played this year that did not release this year? Um, wow. I don't know what I've played this year that didn't release this year. I've been trying to be very good and not play older games because there's so many things coming out uh, that I feel like I have my work cut out for me. Uh, so let's see. Stuff that didn't come out this year. That is a really excellent question. I already... I, I haven't touched Xenoblade 3 this year. I haven't... Um, Pikmin 4 did come out this year. I'm, I'm just trying to think my way through what I played. I'm going to be honest with you, Clark. I think I've only played games that released this year, uh, which is a new one for me. Oh, oh, Fortnite. Jeez. I've played like 100 hours of Fortnite, and it's probably the only game I've played this year that didn't come out this year. Oh, I did replay Spider-Man Miles Morales as well. Um... Man, that would have to go to Spider-Man because it is better than Fortnite. So yeah, I'll do that. Metroid Prime, the remaster to me counts as a new game because it at least released this year. I played Spider-Man and Miles Morales to prepare for two. I would say Spider-Man Remastered is the best game I played this year. That's true. I did. Oh man, I did replay Breath of the Wild. How many old games did I play this year? Chat is keeping me honest out here. Um... Boy, of all those games, it would have to be Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is probably one of the best games ever made. Um, so yeah, I would I would go for that. And it looks like we do have a little more time on the clock here. So let's read one more out from... Uh, let's choose Dad Alpha Lion. Or Zombie Joe, sorry. Uh, Zombie Joe writes, Have you guys ever played DLC in a game that ended up being arguably better? than the base game itself. For example, Borderlands 2 was an amazing game, but the DLC Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon's Keep was possibly better than the main game itself. Aside from having a world that changes on the fly due to the whims of Tina, as well as weird and unique guns like the gun that shoots swords, the story dealt with serious issues in regards to grief and mourning, the loss of a loved one. The ending alone still makes me cry to this day. Well, that is heavy, and, and it's nice to know that, that DLC you know, can be of that quality for you. I think personally, um, I really enjoy uh, Undead Nightmare, which I've been trying to get back to playing. So if you don't know, Undead Nightmares is DLC for the original Red Dead Redemption. And it takes the whole world and turns it into a zombie game. So it's just a really, really out of left field thing that, back when it released was something nobody had done. And to be fair, it's never been executed quite in the same way since. So if you're talking about, I don't, I can't think of another DLC that fundamentally changes the game world. I'm sure there's one out there and I'm sure that chat will, will inform me of it as I'm, as I'm formulating my own opinion here. But the idea of, a DLC that takes an entire game and flips the genre from action to survival and literally touches the entire map in that way, I think is one of the most impressive pieces of DLC I've ever seen. 
And because of just the tonal shift, I think that I had a more fun experience with Undead Nightmare than I did with Red Dead Redemption, which is saying something because Red Dead Redemption is my favorite game of that generation. Uh, I see Far Far Cry Blood Dragon being mentioned. I haven't played it, though. I need to. I definitely recognize that I need to. It's just a blind spot for me. Uh, Ballad of Gay Tony and GTA 4 was really good. I didn't love GTA 4, though, so I felt like that was a really low bar to clear. Um, All right. We've got some final super chats. I'm going to read those out, and then we are going to close out the show. Uh, So just kind of a... I appreciate everybody sticking with me for a solo episode. Obviously there's no banter. There's nobody to work off of. So I appreciate everybody just listening to me just straight up ramble for like an hour. Uh, because I know that, uh, at least on this end, it's not something I'm used to. So, um, having an audience is, is definitely helpful. I appreciate all of you that have tuned in live to, uh, help fill in the gaps, but, uh, let's go ahead and and close this out. Disney Duncan with two more dollars favorite or no, I'm sorry. I read that one. I'm doing all right. Aramis Baramis with $10 writes, just started tuning in. How did I miss the Steve show? Have a great cast, I suppose. Well, thank you, Aramis. Uh, Yeah, I'm by myself today. Everybody else was otherwise indisposed. So I just decided to turn on my camera and talk to you all live. Uh, Hopefully it's a good listen. I I don't know. Uh, Also, I want to call out Bolt Mouse X for correctly noting Shadow Dancer. Shadow Dancer is a great Shinobi game. Uh, Disney Duncan with five more dollars. If Harley Quinn comes to MK1, will her design be DCEU, the TV show, or a unique design like the Joker got in MK11? It would definitely be a unique design. I think that that is one of the best things that um, NetherRealm does is when they bring in these well-known characters, they they put their own spin on them. So I think that would be really cool. Uh, And then Disney Duncan is back with uh, two more, SF6 or MK1. I prefer MK1. Uh, I prefer... That's a tough one for me. Street Fighter 6 is definitely the more fleshed out game. uh, But Mortal Kombat 1 has a better roster in my opinion, which is a weird thing to say. But I just think there's so much. I love the guest character idea. And I think that those guest characters lend Mortal Kombat 1 a lot of strength in that in that regard. I'm I don't know that I could choose one that I prefer. I will say I play SF6 more, though. Uh, Hustle Bun with $4.99. Just want to say thanks for being here, Steve. Well, thank you. I appreciate that you're here. It means way more to me that hundreds of you show up versus just one of me. Uh, and then Leo Flow with $5. You did a great job, and this show was a lot of fun. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I had a lot of fun, too. So, oh, and then uh, <laughs> Disney Duncan, $2. Samus versus Ripley from Aliens. Uh, Samus, all the way. All the way, Sam. There's Ripley is screwed. All right. Um, that's going to do it for us. Obviously, as you know, we have to give a special shout out to our patrons at the producer tier and above. Uh, those folks that submitted all of those topics in the mailbag. It means the world to me that you guys are hanging out with me tonight and that I'm able to uh, do these credits. But, you know, we just updated these. So hopefully, if you're a producer, you saw your name in there again, patreon.com slash gvgaming, where you can join. But I got to give an extra special shout out to all of my folks in the executive producer squad. You know who you are, but in case you forgot, you are Brandon Bovia, Cutie Caitlin, Fangs, Z Patty, Sky Blue Flames, Eastman23, Adam O'Sullivan, Richard Herrera, Logan Daniel. The D-Pad, Blake, Joy Content, Angel Martinez, Vedron, Joshua Hunter, Benny Yao, Azran127, 
Black King, Joseph Rutkin, Kiki Griffin, Lucky Wonderfish, Wataniac, Top Dog 23100, Young Ben Kenobi, Andrew Medeiros, Darchi, Becca, Michael McCaw, Matthew Wong, Goron Amber, CPHT, Too Much Spaghetti, Bane 400, Askeron 809, Reoner, Raining Clouds, The Game Orb, Super Gamer Dude 101, Mercury, Ravelox, My Mom, Hi Mom, Skull Kid Tiger, Darksteel 01, Jason Uloa, Jaden Buck, Cystic Warrior 29, DJ Jersick, Derek, Colin, Blazestar 25, Mumbling Yeti, Cameron Sharp, Keel, Brendan Hesse, Hustlebun, Noah Fitterer, Calvin Atkinson, Brainchild, The Entire State of Wisconsin, Jim Wakelin, Aramis Baramis, Kyle the Monarch, Dad Alpha Lion, Lord Metarex, Blaze Collard, Eric, Cat Evie Person 5, Peyton Thiel, Mega Beatman True Blue Reviews, Ryan Hanley, The Game Jamie, Alex, Zombie, and finally, Zombie Joe. I was getting into a groove there. I couldn't stop reading. Oh, well, thank you all so much. It's a pleasure to read out those credits. Uh, we are done with episode 84 of the GVG cast. I will be booting up our patron exclusive post show here shortly for you. You know where to find it in our live audience uh, channel here on Discord. But if y'all are logging out for the night, I wish you a good night and good vibes. Until next time, everyone. Bye.